0: These are some exciting times, and now I want to take these changes, and I will rehearse them as we go also with the core values of the church. So what I'd like for you to do is look at the screen, and I want to show you a graphic of the core values that we have. There's worship, community, discipleship, and outreach. That is what you see within a New Testament church. Let me show you where it's found in the scripture. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2, and I'll begin reading in just a moment from verse 42. Acts chapter 2 verse 42, and let's find the biblical context for trying to lead the church in the way that we are right at the birth of the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Notice these dynamics of a New Testament church, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money to those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's go back to this first core value. It's worship. My story is this. I was raised in church. I thank God that he would bless me with parents who love the Lord and showed me the importance of knowing Jesus and taking me to church. I can't remember a time in my life that I was not in church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, that was the schedule that our church had. That's when we were there. I went to one church until I left for college. Not every season of that church's life was as exciting as others, but we all grew. Regardless of the seasons and challenges of church life, God was faithful. As I reflect on this worship value in my life, it was at church that I first served the Lord by being involved in a ministry. Many ministries, such as getting involved in a drama, taking a role in some kind of presentation that we were doing to present the gospel story, singing with a choir. It was in church that I sang my first solo. And after that solo, Virgil Eubanks came up to me. And he said, we're going to buy a bus and go on the road. Now, you got to understand that I mutilated that great song. I don't know that I was on key very often, if at all. And so when he came up and said that to me as a kid, I thought, man, how nice. And this guy's identifying a gift in me. But now that I'm old and really have the interpretation on what he said, He was saying, so that you never sing here again, I'm willing to buy a bus and take you on the road. (laughs) I I loved growing up being not just a spectator at church, but being an integral part of that church. It is in the fabric of who I am. I, I went to church so much... And love it so much that I'm a churchaholic. And I don't want to be cured. I love it. I love coming in here with you. Worshiping the Lord. Talking about the power of the blood. The redemption that has come by way of the cross. The awesome presence and glory of God that comes when you're together as a faith family. Lifting up the name that is above every name. I love the context of being taught and being involved and having exciting times in ministry and then around the altars. I I praise God for the ability to dream and to dream big. And I learned to dream by being involved in church where people dreamed and allowed me to dream. I'm thankful for my memories of, of all ages loving Jesus and being passionate in their worship, and passionate in their service, and taught me that the more I would get to know Jesus, the sweeter he would become, that he never gets old, that the redemption story is always fresh, and it is good when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm with the psalmist who says, zeal for your house consumes me. And my prayer is that as we move forward and start another service, a third Sunday morning service, that zeal for the house would increase, that you would realize the opportunity to worship and to serve. For you see in the present model, if we take in every room upstairs to expand children's ministry, we only free up a few seats and in a few months we will be out of space. So the only way to really give it room to launch to the next level is to add the third Sunday morning service. We're excited to do this. Now at 9 o'clock, kids can go to what we call KBF, which is traditionally called Sunday School. Then at 1045, they go to Children's Church. It's called Kids, Inc. It's incredible. And, And some kids are getting one or the other. And I believe that both are important. In this new schedule, we have a new model of children's ministry that is going to allow for a big event moment where all of the children will gather in their meeting room, and they're going to worship, they're going to have an exciting time in the presence of God, and the presentation of the big idea, the message of the day, and then they will go to their class, a smaller group, with their teacher, and be taught the lesson on that major point so that in a 75-minute service, they are getting both the gathering of worship and the smaller setting of the teaching of God's Word so that we can plant the seed of God's Word heart deep in every child that comes to this church. We honor and we're excited about that opportunity. Now, to take in these rooms, it adjusts how we do adult Bible fellowship. Let me show you a floor plan of our building. This is the upstairs, if you'll look at it with me. You'll see that every room now becomes for children's ministry. The blue is K through fifth grade. The yellow is the oldest part of our preschool because they're going to use the classes they're in now, but they need two more in order to function and have the potential to grow, and so they will be in those two rooms. Now, when you reduce the number of adult, adult Bible fellowships, it creates a need doesn't mean that we won't have them. Let me show you the first floor. Look over in the hospitality room, and you'll see at 9 o'clock, there will be an adult Bible fellowship. It's called Harbor Lights. At 1030 in that room, we're excited to offer a service for 6th to 8th graders. We have a growing youth ministry, and we need to be as careful as we can to help these students know God and to make Him known. So we think this is going to be an incredible addition to our ministry menu. At 12 o'clock, that room opens back up for an adult Bible fellowship. Go across the hall, in what we call 130, 132. At 9 o'clock, there will be an adult Bible fellowship. So, two at the 9 o'clock hour. At 10:30, we're going to open it for a high school Bible fellowship, and then back at noon, it's available for adults. Now, because we have them, but we're reducing the number that we have and the seats that we have available, we have to fulfill this mandate of connection. And discipleship. You understand that adult Bible fellowship is one of the main ministries we have to connect people and to disciple people. It's gone very well. We're out of seats with the rooms we use for adult Bible fellowship for the most part, and yet we can't seat but 30% to 40% of the adults that come to the church. Now, if we take out of The adult Bible fellowship rooms, the ones we're going to need for children's ministry, we reduce the number. We right now have a model of ministry that all of you can't attend if you wanted to. We've got to provide a way where every adult can pursue God in connection and discipleship. Don't you know that it is God's will that once I get saved, I don't put my Bible on a shelf, but I passionately pursue knowing more about Jesus And so I put myself in the context where the word of God is taught and I can connect with other people. Because one way I know if I'm growing is how it's lived out with the people that I'm closest to. So we've got to create a ministry model where we can literally launch into the next season of ministry. So we're calling it small groups. This comes to that second value of our church. It's called community When I read to you the New Testament pattern, you heard that they met together in the temple and then in homes. This is going to be very intentional and simple. You come together to connect and then you grow. Let me talk to you about connection. I want to use this illustration of a chain because I hear in my heart the Lord saying to us, let's forge unbreakable relationships. You know when you get in the time of need you can't call a crowd. You've got to call your inner circle. When Daniel was was made to know that he was going to the lions den if he continued to pray, watch his actions. He gathered his inner circle. I'm concerned that we're not forging the kind of close relationships. We are more of a crowd than a congregation. And the New Testament model is that we relate to one another in prayer, in ministry, in connection that says, if one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Anytime that this chain is used, the entire chain is realizing the purpose. So it, each link is a recipient of the victory of purpose fulfilled. When you come together as a small group and you commit yourself to serving God, as a small group, you could go out to the mobile medical unit and serve there. You could get involved in going on a missions trip. You could serve in the second service, in children's ministry as a small group. And as you see the activity of God in and through your life, it's the activity of God in and through your entire group. It is very important that we see that church was never to be an individual journey. The scripture is so clear. It's not about me or you. It's about us. And moving together in this New Testament model, not only is this chain, when it is used, the whole chain receives the blessing of purpose fulfilled. But when this chain is used and there's stress put on it, the entire chain feels the tension and the stress not one individual link and what a picture for us in the church when you hurt you need someone to stand with you when you're celebrating you need someone to celebrate with you come on let's connect and let's move forward and when we praise God we'll praise him together when we're uncertain about all the things that are happening around us we'll stand together in empathy and sympathy we'll lock arms together I want to tell you, in my Christian experience along the way, I've had some valley walkers. It just fell to the ground. I've had some valley walkers, people who came alongside and realized I was in a valley. And they locked arms with me and said, we're going to walk through this valley together. I can preach today about personal testimony of people who stood with me and helped me to navigate some of the toughest, most difficult times in my life. It wasn't the crowd that came in the valley with me. It was an inner circle, and we must develop this biblical model of small groups. I know I'm passionate about it, but I'm not resting until we're all connecting, and then we are growing. Because here's what else we know about the chain. The strength of the chain is based on the strength of each individual link. And that takes us to the next part of our core values, not only worship community, but now discipleship. Strength. Over and over again, the Bible tells us about making sure we are doing the hard work of relationships so that we can grow. In the Great Commission, there are several action verbs And one of them is to teach. Teach for the purpose of strength. If the chain is an illustration of forging unbreakable relationships, let me use this weight and try to describe spiritual strength. I have adjusted it. And (laughs) I didn't adjust it low enough. Uh, I can curl this. But that's about it. Now there are those of you in this room, we could set it back in place and we could put more weight on it. And the reason you would be able to curl it then is because you're stronger than me. But if I would give myself to a process, a certain routine and consistency with that routine, I will get stronger. I can one day... Perhaps be as strong as you, but because you're gonna continue in your routine by that time, you'll be stronger. The picture I'm giving you is that we're all at different places of spiritual strength. Some have been on the journey for many years and, and you have really developed your spiritual muscles, while others are just starting on the journey. But the bottom line is this we must all continue to grow. Because the strength of your small group and the strength of this church is determined by the strength of each follower of Christ. So yes, it's about us, but it doesn't exclude me from my personal pursuit of more of Jesus. And I receive that by putting myself in a context where I can connect with others And receive the strong, solid teaching of God's word, entering training so that I am working and exercising my spiritual muscles, thus being transformed into the person for which I was saved to be. That is why we do small groups, so we can connect and grow. I want to tell you something. We have 1,300 adults attending this service. In this church, we now are pushing an average of attendance of around 1,700, 1,300 adults. Only 350 have been attending adult Bible fellowship, which is one of the only ministries we're doing for connection and discipleship, which puts too many people at a vulnerable place when they come into a time of need that we would even know about it be able to pray effectively which puts us at a place where we're too wide open to the enemy's attacks because we're, we're not sowing to the Spirit the things of God that allow us to be clothed in the armor of God so that we stand strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Therefore, this launching pad moment is one of passion for me because I'm not resting until every adult that calls this their church to be in a home group of connection and spiritual growth. We are determined. It's like climbing Mount Everest. I don't care what it takes. We're going to do it until every one of us are passionately pursuing community and spiritual growth so that we're not just a church, we are a great church doing a great work in the last days. That moves me to this fourth value, and it's the value of outreach. When it comes to outreach, in the scripture it got its own title. It's called the Great Commission. Let me show it to you in Matthew 28. Therefore, go. There's that first action verb that we're going to talk about here in a moment. Go and, here's the next verb, make disciples of all the nations. Here's the next one. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach, there's the next verb, these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go, make, baptize, teach. The teaching component is within the small groups and that value of the church. As new converts are brought into the family of God, we are going to see this baptismal tank be used more and more and more. We had a fast-growing church in 2009. An amazing growth with 450 people joining the church. More than that started attending, but 450 people joined our church in one year. But very few of them were new converts. I'm thankful for every person God gives us. But it is my passionate heart that the loss of this community are being introduced to Jesus and that we remember as a church our number one priority, our number one responsibility is not to one another, but to those who are still outside of the family of God, that we exist for those who are not ready to meet the Lord. I, I, I'm I not interested in church being more like a country club. I want it to be on a mission to show this light and love to those who are in misery and sin. Hear my heart today. Let me tell you as we go that this is not a passive verb. This is a word of action. Know this, the DNA structure of which you are a part, the Lord's church, in that structure is radical, aggressive, action. Study the life of Jesus. Study the words of Jesus. And you'll hear things like this, Jesus saying in Luke 5, who is it that needs a doctor? Is it the healthy or the sick? In Matthew 18, he says, the father doesn't want to lose even one. Not one lost person does the Lord want in this community. He wants them all to come to repentance. So there's not even one unsaved person. Matthew 19, Jesus says, I have come to seek and to save the lost. In Luke chapter 14, he says, Go, go out there. Go out there and compel them. Do you sense the urgency the intentionality, the focus. I'm telling you, if you study Jesus and you study what he said, you realize that he calls us to do everything short of sinning to win lost people. Now, I believe if we're a faith family that's living out that kind of radical action, then we show our young people and our children that Christianity is it some boring course in endurance by sitting through church service after church service and doing absolutely nothing with what we hear, but that Christianity is actually the great adventure where you realize the purpose for which you were made, born, saved, so that you go out and make a difference? One re- oh, I, I dare not go down that trail. Because then we would be here till 6 and start part 2. I'm telling you, this this burdens my heart. This should be the most active, the most aggressive, the most radical place that people could ever attend so that church becomes not feed me again, but it becomes give me fresh marching orders because i am not some some consumer that has pulled up at the counter of what can you do for me christianity but i am a fighter on the front lines in the cause of christianity saying give me fresh marching orders so i can get back out on the battlefield and snatch a few more souls before the rapture of the church come on and give god praise if that resonates with your heart. Because that's what the Bible calls us to be. I mean, if we're all really facing eternity and it's either heaven or hell, then you can see why aggression, being radical, is the very tone that you see by studying the life of Jesus. So what does it mean for us to go? It means to go in a way that makes sense, that connects, it means we go in such a way that it helps to remove barriers between the unsaved and Jesus Christ. It means becoming a Christ ambassador, a bearer of good news. What does it mean to go? It means to, first of all, realize God's placed you in the life of a certain group of people for a purpose. The person you live by work with, that person at the gym, the person that you take your dry cleaning to, the person that you see at Quick Trip, the person that cuts your hair, these people that you see all the time. God has put you in their life, not so that they provide a service for you, but so that in your investment of relationship with them, you have the incredible opportunity of sharing the love of Christ with them. How do we go? We go across the street, across the hall. We go with a smile and with a a sense of care. You see, the way you express the Great Commission comes out of your care and concern for those who are still outside of the family of God and are facing a Christless eternity. And you can't live with that. You can't accept that. you you, 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 you got to do something. The other way is that you connect with a ministry of compassion. Let me give you an illustration. Our women's ministry went out to Indian Springs Apartment Complex the weekend of Mother's Day. They give every single mom a gift bag. Among the things in the gift bag, there was a card from our car care ministry saying if you need help with your automobile, here's what you do. Twelve ladies came to church on Sunday after they did that. And twelve made appointments with our car care ministry. And yesterday about seven of those 12 brought their cars. And there was another ministry of our church connecting with that ministry that went to the apartment complex with a big smile and helping people who are in a tough situation. I watch one car be lifted and they're going to start the oil change and they're doing this assessment and when they get to the back tires, they look over at the back right tire and and I mean, it's, it's just... Dangerous to be driving on a tire like that. And so what did the team do? They took that tire off. They went and found a tire. And they put a new tire on that car. They assessed. They worked. You, you've got Ralph offer opening up his facility and his equipment and, and just guys from this church going. Now I want to tell you, those people are being shown, shown the love of Jesus. And at some point, Somebody asked the question, why are you doing this? And that's when the door swings wide open for you then to tell them your story. And it was the grace and the love of God shown to you through some loving people that brought you to the most incredible miracle of your life, which is God's grace in you. And you can't help but share that with other people in every possible way. Just imagine what's going to happen as we continue serving in this way. What if, as a small group, you went to the mobile medical unit that we're going to have once a month out at Indian Springs? As a small group, you served people. And then along the way, you you invite them into your small group. And you're the one who leads them to Jesus. You're the ones who disciple them to be spiritually strong. You're the one that raises them up in the Lord so that then they turn and go reproduce themselves. We have relegated evangelism and discipleship to a very few. We as a Pentecostal church have celebrated for years that when when Jesus rose again... And the veil was rent from top to bottom. The Holy Spirit blew out a priesthood of a few and blew in the priesthood of many. And now those who are saved by grace are called the royal priesthood, a holy nation. And you're all raised to the level of minister. You can pray as effectively as Billy Graham. You can serve by leading people to Jesus as effectively as anyone And so now we have all of these Christians that can be released on the community. And yet, if you really study it, we're still following the pattern of a priesthood of a few. If I can get them to church, pastor can tell them how to get saved. If I can get them to a class, a few teachers in a few rooms with a few seats can tell them how to know Jesus more. But what about you and you and you and you and you and every single one of us sharing the love of Christ, opening up our homes, and you're seeing people saved and you're discipling people. Wouldn't that come back to a New Testament model? Isn't that the kind of church uh, that you want to be a part of? uh, The Thessalonians, here's what Paul said. You've been turned from sin to God to serve. We've not been turned from sin to God to just sit and receive we have been turned from sin to god to serve out of our skill set there were guys there working on cars i want to tell you had i worked on one of those cars it would have been worse than when it was brought in because i have not that skill set saith the lord it's not there it's not there but do you see the power of the body of christ you working through the gifts and talents And the expertise that God has given you. And I'm working through the gifts and talents that God has given me. And together we become a major, unstoppable force where not even the gates of hell can prevail against us. Let it stir in your heart on this whole idea of outreach. Let me bring it to a conclusion with the story of Charlie Peace, who in 1854 had reached the day of his execution. He was a criminal. He had been sentenced to death it was that morning he would be hung so as the prison guards came to take him out of his prison block there was a priest who would follow behind him as they led him to the gallows and that priest would read these words he who dies without Christ experiences hell hell is the experience of forever dying without the relief that dying brings. This criminal, as he's walking to his death, listening to these words, finally stops and in his chains he turns around and he looks at the priest and he asks, do you believe that? And the priest says, yes, I do. And Charlie says, well, I don't. But if I did, I would get down on my hands and knees And I would crawl all over Great Britain, even if it were paved with broken glass, that I might keep one person from experiencing what you just told me. Here is a guy as far from God as you could get, and yet he gets it. He senses the urgency that's a part of this message You study the story of Abraham, I'm sorry, of the rich man and Lazarus. And when you see the rich man in hell, he is passionately requesting that people be sent to his brothers to tell them the gospel story so that they would not have to be where he was. A person who had no time for God, no interest in God, And seconds in hell becomes the most passionate evangelist. There's an urgency to our message that leads to being radical and aggressive. And the church needs to recover this sense of aggression, not to go out in an obnoxious way. That's why I said you go out in a way that connects, you go out in a way within your network where you have credibility. But we don't let a day go by where we stay silent about this message of grace. There's an urgency. If people from heaven could stand on this platform and talk to us today, they would say, be radical, be passionate, tell people to choose the Lord. People from hell could stand on this platform and talk to us today. They would say, be radical, be passionate in telling people to choose the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, we are on a launching pad. We're going to need more people to serve than ever. And I have no doubt that we can see those people recruited. On this launching pad, if there's a sense of God's presence stirring in you, then I'm calling you onto this rocket. Because there's a place where we're going to need you to help us as we soar to the next level. We're about to see some incredible work of God because we're going to be releasing the church more than we've ever released the church. There's going to be more people serving than have ever served. You're going to be serving out of your gifts, and I'm telling you, you're going to be where the action is. The excitement, enthusiasm is God in us. That's where the whole word comes from. In, inside, theos, it's God in us. I want to tell you, the enthusiasm, the joy, when you walk through the doors of this church, you're going to sense the electricity of God's activity. And you are going to be a part of it. And spirit power is going to be flowing through you in your communities, in your homes, and in this house. So we're on a launching pad. And I close by telling you that we're launching to a whole new level of influence. Can you say amen? And we're launching to a a whole new level of dependence on the Holy Spirit so dependent upon the Spirit until nothing can stop us. Nothing can slow us down. Nothing will distract us because we are so dependent upon hearing His voice and seeing what He would have us to see until it takes on life within us. What happens to me when God begins to speak to my heart and out of that discernment, I start seeing the design of the future I get an energy in me that makes it hard to sleep. All of this will start on September the 12th. It's like it's already September the 12th in my heart. That third service will be starting in about five minutes. And people will be waiting to get into this building. Three incredible services for kids. Small groups. Outreach like you can't even imagine. We are about to launch to a new level of influence. We're going to launch... We're going to launch to a new level of worship, worship so anointed that it touches heaven and it changes earth, where the anointing is so strong that it begins to break this bondage and sin, even while we're singing about the name that is above every name. We're going to launch to a new level of message clarity. The message is going to be so clear and so compelling that the Lord is going to be saving people every day. Everybody say every day. Every day, the Lord is going to be adding to the church. You're going to walk in here talking about the people you won to Jesus over the last seven days. You're going to be talking about the activity of God that occurred in your home and in your small group and the spiritual strength that is coming to your faith muscles as you pursue growth with your small group. We are about to launch to a new place in creativity. We're going to beam this message out in the bandwidth of technology as never before for millions of people to be able to see and hear this message a whole new level of compassion where we literally rescue people out of impossible situations and we put them into circles of hope and protection and when the enemy would like to snatch them no we are a shield that God raises around them we are the standard that God raises up so that they can grow and see God work in their life a whole whole new level where we realize that jesus is the head of the church that the holy spirit is the help to the church and that the great commission is the focus of the church you better fasten your seatbelt because we are about to launch to a whole new level Five, four, three, two, one. If you're excited, stand to your feet and give God praise for being a part of an awesome church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I tell you, one of the greatest influences on my life was my and She was part of that church life for me and we would often have big meals at her house and she would be the one that would come by and get your plate when you were through and she would take it to the kitchen and often when she had reached for it she would say keep your fork and when Memo said keep your fork you knew you're about to go to the next level <laughs> that it's been good But it's about to be awesome. So this thing about the church, my love for the church, my heritage growing up in church, I was on my way this morning and I just seemed to be the Holy Spirit reminding me of Memo and saying, tell the church to hold on to their fork because the best is yet to come. You have been served a menu of spiritual power at this church throughout the years. It has been awesome hold on to your fork because the best is yet to come. It grieves me at the number of pastors that are standing before their congregations in this present day and they are saying to people, we're going to have to cut back. We've had such a, such a downtrend in our giving. We're struggling so much with our attendance. We're, we're having to cut back. I'm overwhelmed to be able to look at you and say, We've never taken in more money. We've never had higher attendance. And so there's no excuse for us to do anything but to launch. God has not blessed us so that we just sit around and find comfort in our blessing. He has blessed us so that we launch and turn the blessing into ministry to those who still need Jesus. I don't mean this to be confrontational or offensive. But if you want a church that likes to do nothing, likes to move slow, wants to go to heaven with like a low grade fever, this will not be the church for you. If you want to be a part of a church that's finding ways to let the light shine and the love of God flow, opening up homes all over this city and region for connection and growth, to be part of that third service to be part of this ministry team, to be part of something that is active and moving, powerful, aggressive, growing, filled with momentum, then this is going to be a great church for you. And I just sense there's a whole lot of you that want to be on a rocket. So I welcome you as we launch to the next level. Holy Spirit, come. Because at the launch, we need initial power we'll need more power at the launch than at any other time of the trip come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit unite our hearts in unity, agreement and focus unite our hearts as we become more active and intentional in being the church than ever before we stand Lord on a foundation that's fortified by a godly spirit filled history that's the only reason we can talk about these opportunities but on our watch if we aren't a good steward we will not maximize all that you've done we celebrate the past and we embrace the future take us to a new place take us to a new place